Good morning out there to everybody in podcast land and welcome to this amazing day. Now today I am reminding myself that having expectations and goals changed can be difficult. But today I will remain calm and not dwell on what was. I will put this awareness and energy into what will bring positive possibilities into my life. Now who's ready for today? I am. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Monday morning, folks. This is the Crude Life. Oh, no, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show powered by the Crude Life. It's Play Hard, so you know what? We meant to screw up out of the game. That's right. Live show was always on purpose. One of those shows that uh, nothing ever goes wrong when you're live here at the Crude Life. Uh, I did write that down, by the way, the other day. I, I caught your comment on a recorded show, the Uh-oh. live recorded show. You were listening. Yes. I, well, it's a lot of times... I try to sneak things in there. When you speak in the moment, I don't listen. When sure. I, when I go back on our recorded shows, and then to. I have to listen to it, yep. I, I realize how much I don't listen to you. <laughs> You're like, oh, i got to watch out what the hell this guy's saying. So, and... Uh, the other day, F you. I caught that now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, how you doing? That's Sterling. My name is Jason Spees. This is the work hard. No, this is the play hard portion of the work. The Mostly Conscious Monday show. How you doing? Play hard, work hard morning show. We've got a fabulous show in store for you today. And well, we wouldn't do it unless it was fabulous. Coming up in the work hard portion, Brett Chell. He's the CEO and president of Cold Bore Technologies. Cold Bore. They've got all the big dogs, all the big dog clients. And so uh, when I asked him, you know, who his clients are, that's, I he said m- more or less that's what he the said. The big dogs? All, all the big guys, you know, is <laughs> basically is what he said. Uh, right. So that's coming up in the second Ricky half. Ricky the Fish, Jimmy the Squirrel. You know, that was really a good interview, by the way. Not to preview beyond No, give preview. us a little taster, a little tease. Well, you, what, one of the things I do, I do ask him is... You know, the technology, is it being overused now? Like, you know, hmm. are, is mar- have marketing departments ruined the word now? Right. You know, like, is your grandmother now using the word? Is it no longer cool? Right. Right. It doesn't so, have any meaning. It's just out there. Uh, ESG buzzword. We talk about the ESG buzzword. Of course, can't talk about technology, whether that's a buzzword and not talk about ESG, whether that's a buzzword or not. Uh, and how they're ESG. Of course, you know, when anybody says they're ESG, I got to flat out ask them, how are you ESG? Yeah. How are you ESGing today? How are you more than a slogan? Right. How are you more than, a, you know, a social media post? Is there a defined guideline on ESG yet? Or is it still sort of that we make it up as we go? No, there's a defined uh, no, it's defined. Defined. Oh, no, it is defined. All they're trying to figure out is how are we going to implement it politely? <laughs> how are we going to soften the blow? But, no, oh, no, it is it is defined. Okay. It's, it's environmental. And then there's like six pillars underneath that. Okay. It is so... By, oh, by the way, coming up this fall and our fall schedule, ESG University. University. We're doing a, little, doing a little preview right now. Mm-hmm. 
on the social side, there's a whole vertical underneath that too. Okay. And then on the governance side, the governance side, there's a whole vertical underneath that too. So, so more bureaucracy. It, it, it is about 80% defined. And then they're going to define it over the next year because I'm, we've, we've had news reports on mm-hmm. this very program. Program and program. Program. Depending on what time of day we're recording. <laughs> well, a little later on in the day, it becomes program. Right, as, yeah. As we know, start to slur our words. Linguistically lazy. <laughs> uh, anywho, so uh, the, the, um, as soon as it's, it's defined, because remember, like we said, in 2022, a lot of banks and, and uh, investments and shareholders are going to require it. Mm-hmm. And this is something Shell, BP, Exxon, all the big guys have had ready to go for years. When's the last time you saw right. an oil company advertise oil? They don't mm-hmm. do it. No. I mean, liquor companies don't even advertise liquor anymore. No, and the last oil company ad I saw was more like it was all about innovation, future, synergy, flying eagles, wind I don't even turbines. think it was that. Honestly, I think the last oil company ad I've seen mm-hmm. is probably like from one of the big guys, okay? is probably when they were cleaning up pelicans and birds down in the BP. Yeah. And then after that, it's been LG and uh, wind power and mm-hmm. wave power. And, hey, well, the, the Europeans are doing this. We should copy It might them. benefit them, at least from their point of view, to not crop up in the news, right, in any way, shape, or form. Well, the governance side is going to um, just kind of flesh out what they've been doing, mm-hmm. how they've been spending and and doing their thing so i mean you know we're talking about esgu right now instead of you know brett Chell because we were talking about brett Chell, right because let's get back to that then we'll get into we'll get into esgu because uh what we, the other thing we talk about with brett Chell, and this is the part that i think is so interesting is what they do is essentially get the well pads to communicate like a city so when you go onto a well pad that's like a little city right there you got mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts all kinds of different moving parts from the different, uh, uh, you know, you got the what the the the, what do you, the little trailers off to the side mm. with computers and blitzins over there, and you got blowbacks over there, flowbacks over right. there, computers and gizmos. You got all kinds of different. Well, you got things, a logistic right? stream going in and out. So what they do is they just kind of make all the different parts communicate together. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, and and we talked about how this is kind of level two now. Uh, the integration of technology, where level three is going to come next, where they're going to make these cities then communicate with each other. So it's efficiency and then maybe automation is level three, huh? Could be. Right. We didn't get that deep, <laughs> but that's that's where my mind Robot's going to steal my job. Well, it happened in coal. It happened in farming. Why yeah. wouldn't it happen in this, right? It's going to happen in everything. Well, look, look, the mining industry ain't going anywhere. I mean, when you take a look at what these Tesla batteries are made out of and yeah. what these EV batteries are made out of, the go buy mining stock now. Yeah, if anything, we're going to be doing more of that. More of it. It'll be yeah. robots doing it. But yeah. And when you see the size of these machines that they use to mine, I mean, it's like a Ferris wheel yeah. times 100. It's like a small town on tracks. Right, yeah. and, and but it's just 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 chomping and and sifting and mm-hmm. just these are big open mind pit things it's just it's it's remarkable you know history channel runs shows <laughs> modern marvels on yep, them you know yep. oh absolutely well yeah. and unfortunately from what i understand a lot of the uh rare earth resources that we know about are in china 
Well, at the end of the day, we're, you know, between the cobalt and a lot of the other, you know, uh, lithium, it's not only not only the in China, but it's it's they control the investment behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen numbers as much as ninety percent, wow, seventy percent, depending on which which mineral we're talking about, right. which rare earth or no, what uh, what's his name say? Um, oh, I forgot their name. Shoot. Blood minerals. Blood minerals. Well, because in hmm. so, a lot of these third world countries, it's not you know the most best type of uh, Todd Royal. Well, it, Rod yeah, in those places, it's it's all about getting the material out and into the market, and it's less about the workers there, right? Because those are replaceable. By the way, I should mention this, and and this is not because they're a sponsor. This is because holy crap, that my pillow, that is a pillow. That has that has changed my sleeping. You've enjoyed it. I slept oh. on one all week at the cabin. It was wonderful. It's amazing. I've been sleeping on bamboo pillows for ten years. You know, that sounds uncomfortable. No, it's fine. But it's um, not this, this like, my pillow. I'm not even kidding. It's it's a whole different experience, and it's made my sleep better. I'm serious. Really? And, yeah. Well, it's supposed to help and correct for you know. And and you've seen Frackleberry Hound. That's her choice. Oh, dude, her bed. Yeah, I, I moved it. By the way, I just moved it. Um, well, but that was, has become other than laying on the cool floor. That is her spot now. That that is. She's ditched the two hundred dollar bean bag. We she's, moved that down. Right? She's we moved give that, that to down, the kid. Down to the kid. <laughs> <laughs> so he he's having a, a sleepover tomorrow. And uh, new Rick and Morty. By the way, that's the next topic. Uh, new Rick and Morty came out season five. So they're gonna they're gonna do a do bit, a little a, little uh, show little binge and yeah, but probably play some modern day Warcraft. I think it's called Ark, is what it's called, and they're gonna do some of that. And uh, anyway, but uh, I I said, crazy well, you guys can draw do. straws. Who wants to sleep on the right dog's discarded <laughs> beanbag? Dude, I'll take that thing. I know, it's it's just slightly larger than my car. It had a sheet over it all the time, so I thought ahead. All right, so uh, Rick and Morty, you seen this show? I have. I wow. made the mistake of watching it with my teenager. Oh, you did? Yeah, well... How did that go? Well, I had watched an episode that was pretty tame compared. No, there's not even a thing. Uh, uh, somewhat. I have not seen one tame Then episode. we watched an episode where it was like an F-bomb every 30 seconds for the first... Before the opening credits. Right, right. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm floored yeah. at how... They must beep that on TV, right? No, they don't they have don't, to. They don't. They don't. Uh, they don't play it till after I think oh, okay, seven, eight, nine o'clock okay. or something like yeah. that. It, it's on the Adult Swim part of uh, Comedy Central or a, a Cartoon Network. Who's something Adult like that. Swim? I don't know. I only ever watch them after the fact. All I know is that I love the show. It's, yeah, it's, it's now into my uh, rotation of white noise mm-hmm. uh, in the background. You know, I've got like The Office and Parks and Rec and yeah. uh, 30 Rock and The Simpsons. And that's sort of like comfort food, man. It totally is. And I've never seen, you know, any of these episodes, but I've already put it in the background as white noise. It is exactly what I've been looking for. <laughs> I'm serious. This is this show is exactly the type of humor I've been looking for. It's like somewhat... Aqua Teen Hunger Force, somewhat Phineas and Ferb, somewhat uh, what, what's that? What's the other regular show? And then uh, somewhat uh, there's another one too. That anyway, it's like well, it's you know for me the first time I saw it, I said, oh, this is Back to the Future, but if if the Doc was a complete jerk and Morty or Marty in oh, the Back true. to the Future show, and I'm pretty sure that's what the original 
sort of template was is it's it's like what if doc and marty had a dysfunctional relationship from back to the future boom you've got rick and morty that's exact that's a great way to describe it and I so that was my draw because i always you know it's like the cynical take on that stuff but yeah i love the show it's great but every i'm, I'm old enough now where i cringe a little bit when there's just an f-bomb every 30 seconds and my teenagers in the room well here's the thing is that about i don't know a year ago when my son started watching the show mm-hmm I started noticing that, you know, him and his friends were the, the F bombs came mm-hmm. out. I just assumed that was a teenager, junior high thing or high school because they were, mm-hmm. you know, it's when they got to ninth grade. Right. I do believe it is, it is ushered in by Rick and Morty. Well, hey, in the 90s, we were all saying, eat my shorts, man. Well, it's just. Don't have a cow. How every single family member, I think except the dad, mm-hmm. the dad who's played by the SNL character. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Spaceman. Dr. Spachemin. Sp- uh, Dr. Spachemin yeah, from he's, 30 Rock. He's friggin' awesome. I think he's the only one that doesn't really swear in the show. No. But the mom does. The daughter does. I don't think the kid... No, the kid does. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, the, the grandpa, <laughs> The grandpa. I don't think he... I don't think he can he, speak English without a swear. He swears more than he doesn't swear. Yeah, yeah. So how easily every character does it, except the dad. Mm-hmm. That tells me that this is the way kids are now. And the dad is the dork. He's so, the right. out of touch. He's but the everyone loves weak. him. Yeah. He's, he's the stray puppy. He's, he is. He's the stray puppy. So now now take it take it a step further to this uh you know, Gary V. Gary Vandercheck, who's got the same swearing yep. constantly brought into the business world. Well, no wonder these kids are acting like this. Because they've been bred through Rick and Morty. Well, and you, you go. It, I don't know which way it's bled into our society, if it's from the TV or it's vice versa. But now you look about our discourse in general. From, oh. I mean, public discourse between politicians and stuff is, is reverted in a lot of cases to like third or fourth grade name calling and but bullying. It's, but it's infectious. Yeah. Well, okay. So like, I went out last night and I, was, I dropped several F-bombs. On a date? Or... Um, well, the social togetherness. Well, I, I know I went out with a married couple. Okay. And they were on, more on the um, conservative side. Sure. Gotcha. To where I would definitely watch my language mm-hmm. even more so than when I'm on the radio. Right. 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 Well, that's just courteous. So I, was, I dropped a few to where I apologized. Mm-hmm. And then I actually said, you know, it's because I've been watching Rick and Morty. Because <laughs> it's, it's just, just it's part it. of it. And I said, yeah. you know, and then I came up from an oil and gas event. And that's just part of regular talk. Yeah. And I go, so I, you know, I apologize and, you know, all this other stuff. But then it reminded me of the Gary V event I went to where we had that kind of VIP thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, so this 60-year-old woman from the chamber was there. And then it was basically me. And then the rest were 30 to 35, 27-year-old entrepreneurs, right? Okay. So two narcs in the corner and everybody else there. Well, Two narcs in the corner. <laughs> right? Well, the old people, right? And so the 60, 60-some-year-old woman, you know, Helen, yeah. right? And she, was, she was a total Helen or a... Or maybe a Gloria. And um, she dropped an F-bomb. And then she paused. And she said, oh, if anybody's in the media, I didn't say that. She realized in the moment what she had done. She swore publicly. But didn't even think about it. But didn't think of it because everybody else was doing it. Exactly. And the the host was enabling it, encouraging it. Mm -hmm. Because that's his style. Yep. 
So when when everybody's you know looking at these guys who are crushing it and and, and Brosif and that's Bro-sif. where they're, they're disciples of this. Yeah. And so it it just dawned on me that I didn't realize a lot of these guys were groomed by Rick and Morty. Yeah, I mean, well, it just you see that sort of like transition from our and Simpsons girls. generation to we've got Rick. Right, and Morty. we're all it's, homers. Yep. Yeah, we're all yeah. homers. Yeah. But it's and, yeah, it's got to the point where I mean, we joke about idiocracy, the movie slash documentary, right? And I could see that where we're going, where it's going to be like my kids will turn around and actually say, "No, I don't want to do that." LOL. Oh, right. They'll 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 use LOL and OMG and stuff like that as part of a normal communication. Right. I need a business idea. Huh. I need to jump on the movement of hand sign emojis and get. Can you make money on that? I bet you can. Can, can you be the guy that you markets the guy that, that? You know, like. <laughs> Like when you're, you know, somebody owns emojis, don't they? Somebody like, don't they? There's like a, a committee that gets together and decides on official new emojis that will be recognized by Google and Apple and all that stuff. They're coming out with a pregnant male emoji. I saw that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So is that going to be a sequel? Which would be a good sequel. That the, would. The, the boy child from Junior, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Has a child himself. Has a child Boom. himself. Bam. Dude, that goes back to your uh, talk the other day about we live in Hollywood sequel world yeah. across the business. Well, as Space Jam just did thirty-some oh, million dollars man. opening night. I, okay, total disclaimer: I was too old when the first one came out with Michael Jordan and too jaded to give a crap, so never saw it. But some kids at that age, that was their Star Wars, right? No desire to see Space Jam two, but every review I have read of it is like this movie is just trash. Rick right. and Morty's in it. Did you know that? No, I did not. Warner Brothers basically used it as a Ready Player One thing to shove every property they owned into the Space Jam movie. Rick and Morty's there, Iron Giant's there, anything you can think of. Iron Giant? Iron Giant's there. What do you there. mean Iron Giant? The Matt Damon movie? No. Well, yeah, that's right. He was the voice in that, wasn't he? Yeah. You mean the cartoon movie, Iron yes. Giant? Yep, Iron Giant's in it. That was creepy. Yeah. The, the animation wasn't quite Polar Express creepy, but it was close. Oh, remember Vin Diesel did the voice of the giant, I think, of the Iron Giant. But yeah, so it, it's basically okay, just creepy. an advertisement, right? Vin Diesel's it's a, just it's a movie right. that's an advertisement. That's right. all it is. I did see where, uh, well, that's that's what Mask was, M period, A period, S period, K period. Mm-hmm. Mask Crusaders that's working right. overtime. And what did Mask crime. stand for? Uh, I don't know. Something ridiculous. And then they were fighting Venom. Venom. Yeah. Venom. And apparently Venom was an organization of evil you could just join because Mask was for the good people. And, right. And you would join these like G.I. <laughs> Joe, right? And anyway, it was, But the whole cartoon was to sell... And so but, you need to watch the Venture Brothers because it was, it was to sell uh, uh, Transformer things, right? Just yeah. to sell toys. toys. Yeah. yeah, thank you. There's a there's a part of a show that uh, called the Venture Brothers that deals with what it's like to be a henchman to work for one of these supervillain guys to sign up as a henchman and to live a henchman's life. I love you get that. a cool costume and wings and stuff like that. So it's like, it'd be like a reality show on like being part of Cobra, you know? Yeah. It sucks to work for Cobra commander every day, man. He's like threatening to feed me to snakes and stuff. I was just thinking about that Rick and Morty episode where Co- coach Ferratu was just kind of lightly thrown in there during the vampire coach episode. Too. They, they, they were trying to they were trying to figure out who the head vampire was at the school. They figured out it was Coach Ferratu. Nobody thought of Coach. It was Ferratu. so great. Yeah, I mean that's the type of humor that it comes in with Rick and Morty. So uh, no, I did not go on a date last night, but I ended up at an emo concert. Oh wow! Yeah, with your conservative friends. 
Well, so, okay, I met them out at a fair. Mm -hmm. They were uh, set up at a fair, and I brought some product, you know, Mm -hmm. sold out. And and, uh, everybody loves the industrial forest, man. Can't keep the stuff in stock. Yeah, they're fun little products, man. So then we, you know, we went out for dinner Mm -hmm. afterwards and uh, ended up at... um, the dive bar across the alley. <laughs> Is that what it's called? And, dive uh, bar across the alley. It was that night. That's what I'd call it. And there was an emo concert going on. So, And for the listeners that don't know, emo means emotionally stunted music. And so there was a lot of uh, local servers mm-hmm. and bartenders blowing off steam. And uh, because, you know, a lot of these people have the service jobs yeah. now. And these are the eyes and the ears of people. Oh, yeah, dude. And these are people that 18 months ago were considered the low-end service and then all of a sudden became essential workers, right, during the pandemic. But this is what's interesting. So one of the people I was talking to, they were talking about one of the local big companies that got all kinds of free money. Ching, 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 All kinds of free money, then then, then stimulus money. Not the money you had to pay back. And then, oh, no, they got free money. money, They got the free money. And then they got PPP money and then stimulus money. Yeah, they got like the the, the trifecta. The the, trifecta. Of of the entitlements. three legs of the entitlement stool. Well, from what I could eavesdrop and gather, it was, um, I don't know, eight people from this company. Mm -hmm. $3,000 dinner bill. Boom. What the hell do you order? $3,000 dinner bill. Is that like $100 steak? On a Wednesday evening. Wow. On a Wednesday. That's just a regular night now. Yeah, that's like three months mortgage. For these folks, that's just a regular night now. And they don't even leave the tip, really. It's just like whatever... Whatever the computer says is the tip is the tip. They don't leave anything extra, you know, no yep. thank you. In fact, they don't even remember that person was even in the room. See, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of group of people that now I kinda understand why my daughter keeps saying, Eat the rich. I mean, that's something teenagers like to say, but I've noticed this there's this real bitterness towards capitalism from a younger set, I'm hey, noticing. Have you seen the YouTube videos? Uh-huh. Oh my. Of oh my of oh you have, I got it okay of I'm, YouTube I, of? I, I, I'm Come going on. to find it and post it on the page okay. this morning oh no oh my C- tell it's, me come on I'm dying here it's ten seconds long okay that's okay. my attention span and it's children it's like three or four children and I believe they're different nationalities different mm. different uh, can you say different genders now? Is that even a thing to say? Well, there are different genders, but there can be fluid, whatever. So, yeah. I recognize... There was a multitude of people. I recognize two of the genders as male and female. Gotcha. I, I'm not sure if they're anything more than that. Well, nowadays, you, you kind of have to ask. Emo night, oh, man. Right. They, oh, these kids, the way they talk about how the, they openly say, well, I'm pansexual now. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like just, okay, well... You know, hey, you, you should know, have been I, at our family cabin this summer. Guns Roses album, right? What we used right, to say right. back in the nice day. Nice earring, man. Yeah, now I just, just, just pierce my cooter, dude. I, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just that's the type of stuff they say. But I, I no, I hear you. I would. Unfortunately, I dressed it down with cooter. Right. Well, I don't want to say toe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what I meant on that whole deal. But what were you gonna say? I, you know, I spent time at the summer family cabin. We had the nephews, the nieces, and, you know, the extended family. A lot of them are in that 14 to, to 16 uh, year. And I just sat in a room where it was a discussion about sex, pronouns, uh, getting things pierced, 
You know, and I was just sitting there thinking, God, I am old. I'm my grandfather now because I could just imagine how he felt when we were sitting around talking about, I don't even know what, but. Dude, and, and imagine the Catholic boy here, mm-hmm. spoon fed fear and guilt. Were you working the rosary child. hardcore? Okay. Kneeling down every Friday, looking up at a, you know, a, a, an actual body of Jesus right. Christ with blood coming out of yeah. his thorn. Yeah, I love that skin. about Catholic churches. Right. There's no gray area. Oh, and, and the more detail, the There's better. No, right? It's not symbolism. Oh. It's straight up. Everything about it's just spoon fed to us, right? And so here I am, the altar boy, the Sunday school. I got a lot of couch time to overcome. Trust me, man. I mean, <laughs> thank you, Western Union, loud and clear. Understand. So it's hard to, you know, be the non-judgmental parent yeah. these days, right? So, uh, anywho, I, I just uh, I, I'm blown away that yeah. this ad has got three or four children, and the first line is, "Hey, CEOs." Haven't you made enough? Quit being so greedy. Blah, blah, blah. And it, all it has is industry in the background. It's just got it's just got smokestacks going. And I mean, it is just... Are you looking for it? Looking yeah, look for, for it. it. Because it is unbelievable. I actually stopped and went back and watched it again because I went, oh, this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a big problem because the way that they're using the kids like this yeah, and the way that I'm hearing my son talk and the way that I'm hearing other people talk, this is, this is a, 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 a socially engineered. Well, yeah, I mean, you've also got and, you know, this is clear across any political divide. You've got a generation or two of people that feel forgotten. You know, we're part of that. They say climate change is real. Hey, uh-huh. CEOs, climate change is real. I believe that's what they okay. say. But you know what I mean is that you're, you've got, for the first time in my lifetime, you might be coming out of college with a ton of debt and no real clear idea that you're going to have a stable job in the workplace, right? Even if you've got the degree and you've got the education. Most people, I've read polls of this that, you know, they, they pull younger people. They feel like they're not going to do as well as their parents. And the parents are polled the same way, that they're not, they're worried their kids are not going to be as successful or more successful than they are. So... When you don't have a hell of a lot to look forward to, and that's sort of the common feeling, yeah, what do you lash out at is the people that have all this money that can go to space on a whim, you know, or can spend $3,000 on a dinner. What do you think these emo kids are going to do? Nothing. When emo they, kids, nothing. Oh, no, they were complaining about their taxes, too, because now there's a new policy that they got to claim more of their, t- their tips. So I heard that, too. Okay, so get this. Okay, in the same conversation, they're complaining about the rich having a $3,000 meal on a Wednesday night, they're complaining about their taxes going up through their tips. Yeah. As soon as those emo kids put down the emo, what's emo again? Uh, It stands for something emotional, I think. You know, emotional music. when they put the lithium down and and, and put two and two together, (laughs) they might go get some pitchforks is all I'm saying because... I, I well, we were listening. I was uh, another business owner and I were eavesdropping, and we were just shaking our heads, going, "Oh man, these kids are like gold." Well, see, we were nice and placated during our eighties and nineties. If you asked us back in the day, we would have said, "Well, we we feel really neither high nor low." You know, because everything is just kind of spoon fed to us. We had MTV. We had all of our stuff. But whole, every, but also the economy seemed like at least was moving in a straight direction rather than this up and down, up and down crap. Recessions every five years. That was the reason Garden State was is, was revered as such a brilliant movie by Zach Braff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scrubs. Yeah. Natalie uh, Portman. And yeah, it's great. Was she in that? Yeah. And so was the, the guy from uh, Big Bang Theory. 
Sheldon was he? Sheldon, in that? I think yeah, you're he right. was the yeah. he, he's I the guy that right. came out in the suit of armor. I think you're right, and and got made fun of, and then he just turns and looks at him and goes, "You got balls written on your forehead," and then walks <laughs> out. But that movie was brilliant because it it created more social awareness for the way adults were lithiumizing their children. Yeah, that that's what that movie did. Is it showed that the reason Gen X became so apathetic is because a lot of them were were drugged up. They, they were getting drugged yeah. up. Yeah. Well, and that was a big discussion when I was starting to become a teenager. I'd hear around parents and groups is, you know, uh, is my kid on lithium? Is my kid on Prozac? And that would be the joke around right. the schools, you know, Prozac cookies but or something like that. In our generation, when we started raising kids, and it was Ridlin. Is your kid on Ridlin? You talk about F-bombs. Do you remember planes, trains, and automobiles when we were growing up? Of course I okay. do. Did you know that that one scene... That one scene, you know the scene I'm talking about, right? He goes to the car rental place, he gets his keys, he gets dropped off in the lot, you know, on the other side of the airport. There's no car for the keys. He has to walk back to the counter. And then Steve Martin drops, in less than one minute, 18 F-bombs. So that is the sole reason the film is rated R. That would be R, yeah. F bombs in a minute. And Rick and Morty do that before. Right, before the opening, the opening credits, credits, man. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Check it out, folks. If that's real, what I just seen. Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS, that's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in Western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. 
It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Hard morning show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Of course, Sterling comes to us through Aramco Brats network of former Aramco employees. Ramco Standard Oil. Ramco. Yep. And it's the children of the employees. So some work. Children in oil. of the rigs. Some work in oil. Some don't. Some never have. Some have. But I don't know. 60, 70 years worth of offspring that have all benefited from it. That have lived on a compound. Yeah, I lived in beautiful downtown Dahran, Saudi Arabia for a little over 10 years. Boy, that's, and during your formative years. Formative, yes, as my brain was still squishy and soft instead of a dried out husk. One of my favorite, uh, just kind of quick explanations of Sterling's childhood is that when we had tornado drills, they had Iran might bomb us because of our refinery down the road, so we got to have duck and cover drills. <laughs> or one of the refineries just might blow up. Or one, right, refinery yeah. might so blow when we up did on duck a Tuesday. And, yeah, it was get in the hallway with a textbook behind your neck and hold on tight. So we'll get to events and emails uh, later on because we didn't get to it in the last segment because we were all over the board trying to catch up we on a number of different things. cartoons for like 20 minutes. Well, it's, it's okay. It's I don't Monday, man. Come time. on. I'm still waking up. Uh, I did want to mention the OCI event that's coming up this week. It is happening Wednesday. It's the Odessa chapter, the Oilfield Connections International Wednesday, July 21st at Frisky Brewing Company. Sponsors and door prizes by Guncraft Training Academy, The Crude Life, Tiger Safety, Thomas, Amigo Pipe and equipment, as well as oil pa- oh, benefits, oil patch kids, and then also Miller Tubular Services, MTS. Tubular, so. man. Totally tubular. Totally tubular. I still say that. I, I do, too, just to, just to annoy my teenage daughter. And that's even before my time. Yeah. Totally tubular. Well, and I never ran in the circles that would have used tubular. That was like the early 80s brosif language there. Totally tubular, man. Yeah. Up your nose with a rubber hose. How about gnarly? Did you say gnarly? I still or, say yeah, gnarly. Radical. I still say radical. That's totally I still rad. say righteous. Righteous, man. I still say word. <laughs> now that G was, money. Yeah, G money. I don't mind these words. <laughs> Not at all. All right, we better get to some news. Well, let's start off with a little bit of news from the Washington Times. And this is this headline's kind of interesting. I think you might enjoy it. Coal aversion by Biden administration and environmentalist actually threatens transition to electric vehicles. Oh. 
What? So no, wait, wait, wait. Are the, the environmentalists are protesting that we need more coal. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what they're saying is that uh, coal, the longtime nemesis of the green movement, stands to play a significant role in America's transition from gas power to electric vehicles by supplying rare earth elements for high-tech batteries. Mm-hmm. The big question is whether President Biden and environmentalists will acquiesce. Ooh, this is the Washington Times. Acquiesce. We put simple pirates here. That means yes. Coal and its byproducts contain many of the critical minerals necessary to produce electric vehicle batteries. For instance, the top layer of rock and sediment under which coal lies contains rare earth minerals such as neudanium, europium, and terbium. And I'm sure I butchered each and every one of those. These minerals are vital for manufacturing electric vehicle batteries and other household electronics, including iPhones and computer tablets, so basically the way we parent these days. Even though the minerals are crucial for technology production, the sediment containing the minerals is often disposed of as refuse after coal is evacuated or excavated. What's more, the 150 million tons of ash produced annually from burning coal also is rich in rare earth minerals, specifically cobalt and nickel. These two substances are vital for batteries, including those used in electric vehicles. Now that's so what are you hearing when you hear this? Now that's interesting. Yeah. That part is. Well, the extraction of the rare earth, that opens up a whole other potential industry. Well, uh, there's several parts is that, you know, back in, I mean, we've been talking about the, 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 the role coal is going to play for a while. And it's not burning coal. No. And, and this is burning coal, though, is what it's talking about, because this is the byproduct of burnt coal. Well, yeah, this is you're extracting the coal anyway. What you're going for is either what's underneath it or you're taking that coal ash for the cobalt and stuff. And you're, yeah. So the, the role coal was going to play before in the transition energy economy yep. is the charging. Uh, in fact, I remember three, four years ago, MISO would come in the news every now and then. It's oh, that yeah. mid- mid-continent, yeah. Uh, independent... Uh, System operator. That's what it is. Uh, Miso would come because they would be known as a char- kind of a charging template or a charging station for these these EV batteries. And I used to I used to always talk about how I thought coal would play a role with water filtration. That uh, coal does such a good job of taking out impurities. It's uh, used in almost every whole house filter in America. Totally. And right. and camping. And, you know, you look yep. at any camping straw, right? One of these life straws yeah, you buy. Yeah, it's coal filter. It's, it's coal filter. Yeah, yeah. And, and charcoal, just it takes out impurities. So I, I looked at that as, as a way that coal could definitely make its way into the green movement with water recycling. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think eventually coal is going to save us our freshwater problem by desalinizing the ocean. Water. Yeah, that's might, the only thing that's going to save the human race. I did read actually, and yeah. I want to find it now. There was an article where they've 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 really cracked the next step in desalination. So weird that they just can't boil the water. Like that's the salt, though. I mean, but it's, but boil it in through some distiller. Just uh, I mean, you can't. I have, have a, no idea how the science of that works. I don't I really either. don't because you, in order to extract the salt, yeah, you've got to be able to separate that element from the water. I know that when I when I lived in Saudi Arabia, we were pretty close to the coast, and right outside of Kobar, which was the local city close to us, there were three or four. Lo- I mean, industrial city sized desalinator plants there on the coast because, of course, Saudi Arabia aquifers are few and far between, right? Right, especially in the desert. Yeah, yeah. So you got to really dig deep to find it. So they have been leaning into the de, uh, you know, the desaltification for decades now. As I understand it, it was it's until recently it's been one of those things where you put more energy in than what you get out. 
but you do it because you have to. Are they talking about the uh, Japan batteries at all? On the rare earth side? Uh, just in this article. No, okay. although there is an interesting quote at the end from Anthony Marchese, chairman of the Texas Mineral Resource Corporation, that says, I think we'll see over the next three or four years significantly greater development of these critical minerals from coal. Well, I think what you're going to see is, you know, you're going to see a next evolution come out of Japan. And they're working on a dual carbon battery. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing that pop up in the in the news a lot more. And quite honestly, out of all the different battery things I've read, this is the first one that makes sense. It's like a hybrid vehicle. Yeah. Okay. It, it's 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 these hybrid is the way to get to the next step. It's not it's not the other way is just not working. So uh, wow, imagine that. Like the industrial force, you gotta coexist and work together. Right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's that. the problem is, man, is we're watching like one of those uh, truck poles, right? Where you got two giant semis and a chain in between them and they're both trying to go their own way, you know, and the industrial forest is looking for those kind of conversations in the middle. You know, how can we actually have some progress? Last night at the fair, they had a demolition derby. Yes. And no, no. No? No. Oh, no. So I, I love demolition derbies, right? Right. But apparently the safety regulations and the entitlements have gotten so bad in the demolition derbies, the old school guys don't even want to do them anymore. So what? they don't even do them anymore. They're taking away the demo derby? They're, they've ruined the demolition derby. I was looking. There's one next weekend in the East Ottertail County I'm looking forward to and a truck pull. Oh, I, the one in Perm? Yeah. I go to that almost every year, man. That's that's the blast, man. That's what I look forward to. That uh, and the foot-long corn dogs. A car blasting. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I went to a fair a couple of years ago around here where you could pay like it was either like $10 or $20. $10, you got a nice big mallet. $20, you got a sledgehammer, and there was an abandoned car in the field, and you got a couple of minutes with it. That is awesome. Right? So it's just, I mean, totally unsafe. Kids out there just smashing this car that to pieces. That is awesome. Loved it. Right? You that, just gave me an idea. <laughs> well, you talk about liability. That you couldn't get something awesome. like that off oh, the ground like now. Just grab an old refrigerator appliance or something. Now, there and, you go. And give someone a mallet and, yep. and, and do it in the middle of uh, downtown. I'm thinking, of what was that movie? Instead of a dunk tank? The office or office space. Well, think about, okay, a dunk tank. What? Same you, idea. You got you, you waste what? Right. A hundred thousand gallons of water, right? Or I whatever. Thought about that. Okay. Probably slightly so less, you, but yeah, right. <laughs> just, just a few <laughs> gallons less. So, right, we we dump the Adriatic Sea right, into yeah. a into a thimble. But you know, so so you have that whole thing. Why not just do the same thing for five bucks? You can take two smashes with a sledgehammer at a refrigerator. Right. You're just breaking it down for the uh, the the. You can put on a welder's mask. You're just breaking it down for the landfill anyway. You could have your different chain mail, flail mail. You could have your different suits of armor or a shield. Oh, right, dude. I think that'd back. be huge at like a Renaissance fair. That's what I'm man, saying. Right? It right? would be so fun where you got to choose your different, you know, your yeah. different weapon. Yeah. Dude, am I going to bring in a mace or a morning star oh, or, a, yeah. or a baird or a you know war what? hammer? You have some craftsmen set up there so you can build your own weapon. Kind of like stuff a bear, but it's build a mace. All right, we better get to the next <laughs> business story. Oh yeah, business. All right, yeah. Here we go. Let me get on this business case. <laughs> yeah, I've got in. I've got important stuff in my business case. Okay, so uh, this is uh, renewable energy. This is from oilandgas360.com. Renewable electricity generation is growing, but it's not enough to meet rising demand. This is from the IEA. The planet's demand. Excuse me. I I, I gotta. Is just, that like IKEA? I just have to ask here. Is the author Captain Obvious? 
Uh, well, it's an acronym, but it starts with a C. Okay, so, captain, so it could be Captain. Could be Captain Obvious. And so it's Ablis. Ablis, yeah. <laughs> is it some, it's some Ublacht about it, so it's French? There, so, yeah. <laughs> German. The planet's demand for electricity is set for a strong rebound this year and next uh, after dropping by approximately 1% in 2020. So this is by a new publication from the International Energy Agency. Uh, they forecast that global electricity demand will jump by nearly 5% in 2021 and 4% in 2022 as economies around the world look to recover from the effects of the pandemic and transition from uh, fossil fuels. So, but the main concern here is that we can't keep up with increasing demand. The IEA said renewables were expected to be able to serve only around half of the projected growth in global demand in the next two years. Yeah. And they forecast a rise in carbon dioxide emissions from the electricity sector, a rise of 3.5% this year. I would like to have that conversation. What is the carbon footprint mm -hmm. of trying to have a lower carbon footprint? Because that, to me, seems like that's what's going to get us. Well, and I don't understand necessarily how they factor that stuff in. I'm too lazy to look, I guess. But, I, you know, I wonder. It's like, it's like with the we talk about with pipelines versus railhead or trucks, right? There's an obvious higher cost in that and higher danger in that, right? Because you're multiple points of failure at that point as opposed to a pipeline. So, yeah, what does it cost to build this thing? What does it cost to generate the rare earth elements needed for the batteries? What does it cost for that? And how does that impact? That was another thing. I was having a conversation with a, with a scientist this weekend about the trees. Oh. And he was, uh, he, I mean, this guy's a scientist, man. He was in the microbes. I mean, those he was, are those tiny things. Oh, he was giving me advice on 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 my marketing because I could I could say that there are carbon microbes down there being Ooh, stored because sounds, of the industrial forest. Oh, he was having fun. He had a, yeah. couple, he had a couple wines in him. He was having it's like fun. Techno babble. This was before we went over to Emu. So, <laughs> oh, he he liked the Emu. He, he was oh yeah. He's he's, well, he's 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 more of the Rick okay. kind of of the Rick and okay, Morty. He's the he's Rick the, guy there. He's the uh, deranged scientist, crazy scientist <laughs> guy. But um, so what he mentioned is he was laughing about this whole thing because he just kind of finds this whole climate change a little bit ridiculous um it, not that it's not a problem and not that the earth's not getting warmer and this and that but the fact that humans are even really doing much mm -hmm. compared to as he says one burp from a volcano is five to 20 generations of humans right so and he that's what he just goes back to mm -hmm. he goes he goes you can have a couple of burps out of volcanoes and that okay whatever we did right big deal you know, and then I said, what about Krakatoa? And that's when it just went off the <laughs> It went off the rails. It went off the rails then, yeah. So Krakatoa, the super volcano underneath Yellowstone. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I but, saw 2012, um, the movie. I know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, now they're even finding out that the dinosaurs were dying off long before the uh, asteroid hit. So there's just a cycle of carbon that happens. Mm. That's all. So. Uh, what's next? What do we got? Okay, so we're going to go to our favorite state of Florida. I mean, you saw what happening, what's happening right now in Antarctica, right? Yeah. As it's being being unmelted, mm -hmm. or it's being melted, sorry, not unmelted. That I'll tell you, the flat earthers un are super pumped about the thaw of the Antarctic because are that they? is where the military has control over the, the, the perimeter wall at the end of the earth. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I watched a bunch of flat earth videos this weekend and rebuttals because it's just kind of my jam. Well, you had some time. I like okay. the geeky science stuff, man. Yeah. Plus, I love the feel fact involved in the flat earth. It but just feels right. They're finding out, you know, that at one point that wasn't frozen. Yeah. 
There used to be like uh, life know, there. Whether or not we're contributing, and I got to believe on some level there's you know eight to nine billion of us, we're probably contributing to it, but it's still where we live. And if it's getting worse, we got to figure it out, right? The house is on fire, yeah. right? You don't argue when the house is on fire about how the fire started. At least I wouldn't. Well, a lot of people do. The Teamsters do. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the fire departments will be standing out there going, I don't know, they pay their taxes? Yeah, the union ones yeah. do. The volunteer <laughs> ones are out in there risking their lives. The union ones, not there. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, I think it was, what, Streets of New York? Gangs yeah. of New York? Yeah. Right, right. And they have there's a scene where something's on fire, and two different <laughs> fire departments show up, two different political guys in charge, and they refuse to put out the fire. Instead, they fight and then loot the building next door. Isn't that unreal? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> all right. So check this. Florida man tries to throw alligator on roof to teach it, quote, a lesson. I love Florida. Dude, this guy looks just like a prince among so men. A Florida man took an alligator and threw it on a roof. Yes. But he had, he had motivation to teach it a lesson. A Florida oh, man told this. police officers he was teaching it a lesson when he tried to throw a live alligator he had stolen from a miniature golf course onto the roof of a beachside cocktail lounge, authorities say. Now... First question for me, did it belong to the miniature golf course? Right. Because, you, because in the article, it, it, it says he stole it from, from the right. golf course. Let's take our kids to the mini putt because they got live alligators. That sounds like a plan. The 32-year-old man was arrested early Thursday when Daytona Beach Shores police officers spotted him attempting to throw the gator onto the roof of a cocktail lounge located just off Highway A1A. Do you ever go to the sushi restaurant in town where they have the koi fish? Yeah. Do your kids ever ask if that's what they eat? My youngest has, yeah. Okay. I, and I said, absolutely. Yep. I said, you get to pick. You get to pick your koi. <laughs> yep. The officers then saw the man take the alligator by its tail, hit it against the awning of the building, throw it to the ground, and stomp on it twice. He hit it. He threw it against the awning. He, the man, thirty-two-year-old oh, William Hodge from Homestead, Florida, was taken into custody and charged with possession and injury of an alligator. So he was charged with owning the alligator or possessing it, but also with injuring it. Unarmed burglary of an occupied dwelling theft and criminal mischief dude i bet the detona beach shores police officers have some stories i bet this is just a blast trying to figure out the charges like okay how do we charge this guy with so domestic it's not your assault alligator, but... without calling it domestic assault here because it's kind of like domestic assault because it was in his house and then he you know kind of he was trying to have a relationship with it right? and uh, my it, question is if it was his alligator is he allowed to throw it on the roof i think when you you have an alligator in your possession it's your alligator right well isn't it like a weapon at that point I mean, it well it's it is if you use it against right, somebody right. else if you cock it, that tail but at the same time it could be used against you that's a, yeah. gun, a gun can right do if you right. don't know how to use it properly Bite the hand that feeds you so an online court docket showed up uh, surprisingly no a attorney literal hand that bite that feeds you <laughs> yeah anyway. so apparently there's a current as of friday there was no attorney yet assigned to mr hodge i'm guessing you know, again, if you're a lawyer, personal injury lawyer, one of those types of ambulance chasers in Florida, Daytona Beach, I bet you just got stories. We should reach out. The ambulance chaser. Where is he? Right. Right. I, where, I mean, Tiger King, like Tiger King, they got a whole Netflix series. You could get the uh, alligator at the bat. This makes me miss cops. Like they should bring cops back just for Florida. 
Honestly. Oh, no kidding. They could do a number down It's there like Reno 911, but real. <laughs> right? And just on a regular. It's Tuesday down here in yeah. Miami. We call that Tuesday, folks. California dreamer, sunny, believe your day. Morning show, play hard, work hard, is by the Moody River Band. Mike's now changing the game with a six-piece towel set. This towel set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel that we all look for in a towel. This set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You will find other deep discounts on the MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-4268 for these great all-American energized specials. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration that this is Obama Biden 2.0 plus and the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on. 
Okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing when I think sometimes it's just really ironic. I'll, I we used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at Whiting, our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Brett Shell, CEO with Cold War Technology. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program and being patient while I had to fix a few levels here in the Industrial Forest Studios. That's kind of the way it goes when you're in construction mode. In fact, everybody in oil and gas right now kind of feels like they are changing their oil while driving 90 miles down the interstate. At least a lot of people I talk to. And uh, Brett Shell, how are you doing today? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Did that did that uh, driving down the interstate, changing your uh, oil at the same time, kind of uh, strike a chord there, kind of connect? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we're, we're an oil and gas uh, software service company, and we've been in it for the last five years. So we've been changing oil and racing a race for the last five years. Well, that's rather that. interesting. So you got into it right when the downturn was either kind of happening or just getting getting done with, huh? About a year, I would say 12 months before we, were, we founded and really started going. And uh, 10, 12 months in, we dealt, yeah, we were dealt that first uh, initial major downturn. Okay. And what is it you guys are doing? Cold bore technology. So cold, as in the regular word cold, bore, yep. B-O-R-E, not, you know, in Texas, you got to clarify because of their feral hog problem. Right away, their yep. minds go right to B-O-A-R. So it's cold board technology. Uh, what is it you guys do, and uh, who's your customer? Uh, so customers are all the biggest oil companies uh, in the world and all the biggest service companies in the world. So frack, coil, wireline, pump down. Uh, what we do is provide a, a central standardized master control system for completions and fracking. Uh, think of it like... Uh, with the process of fracking that's out there right now, the oil company has a lot of major service companies, Halliburton, Schlumberger, all these guys on their locations doing parts of a job. Um, and we are that central control system that was that's put out there to connect all these guys so that we can share data now on site, move data, standardize data collection, automate processes between these guys. So we're the connection point and the platform that's uh, being put into the industry to automate and make it a lot more efficient so that we can all communicate. Now you've got offices both in Calgary and down in, is it Houston, Texas, in Texas where you're located? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. we got some guys, uh, we got storage facilities and shops and some guys in Pennsylvania, you know, oh. the, the major areas. Oh, even better, even better. So my, my point is you've got some different uh, diversity in terms of uh, point of view and feedback and, you know, even to the tune to where you have international, which is very important in oil and gas because of the way Canada approaches land and environment versus the United States. There's still a little bit of a philosophical difference. So my, my question to you is with the word technology, um, we're, we're the last couple of years, it's interesting because, you know, some of the primitive technologies from 100 years ago are making their way back 
you know, for water management and recycling and that sort of thing. So it's interesting to see how the word technology has really, um, it's almost becoming confusing to people. Like the old way, it was like, oh, computers. And then it got a little bit more of the computers. And then it turned into software. And then it turns into, well, how, how is it these days? Is, the, is there an education barrier still? Is there a little bit of a difficulty of an entry point? Or talk to me about the educational awareness with the word technology. Uh, yeah, I think you make a good point, actually. Uh, I know you make a good point because we kind of fight with it in marketing. Um, and it's not just technology. So to your point, the, the issue with what's happened in the last four or five years, so you have a major downturn. Uh, you have these huge companies that need to restructure. And the first couple of years is spent in shock and awe, right? And so they're, they're not really paying attention to much else externally. They're worrying about themselves internally laying people off, getting stuff in order, rejigging their processes, figuring out what they can get rid of and shed. And then they're trying to rebuild and figure out the new plan. Two, three years into that. And then all of a sudden, you know, three, four years into that, they start looking at technology because they get their plan set. They've shed what they needed to shed. And now they get into the market where they're like, okay, now we have to make a change. And when that change happens and and the free market in the U.S. and Canada, especially, they recognize that. That's when all the buzzwords come in, all the new companies, all the everybody with a solution comes in and they just flood the market with the same words over and over. Technology is one of them. Big data, APIs, you know, ML, AI, whatever you want, automation, um, fully, fully autonomous, like all these things. And so we try real hard. I mean, we have to use words to describe what we do. <laughs> So, but we try real hard not to over buzzword what we do and be very specific. So, I mean, the, if you just want to throw technology out there, you can apply it to almost anything and the, the operators get really confused. You know, they hear every pitch that comes into their office has some element of AI and ML and it's a water hauling guy. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, why would that have AI and ML? Or, well, and people might be wondering why, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, no, people no, might be wondering why we're talking about this. Listen, folks. We're in the second half of the year now, and the second half of the second half of the year is when people go into those boardrooms to make the decisions for the next year. And when they start getting bombarded with words like technology used in a thousand different manners, they kind of just throw their hands up. And now that same thing, in my opinion, and this is why I wanted to transition into uh, the same topic, but with just a different example I believe yeah. that's going on right now with ESG. I think that so many people yeah. are using that word and they don't even know what it means. They don't even understand what it means. They just know that that's how you can get the money. That's how you can direct the dollars, that sort of thing. Um, do you see any comparison there between kind of the the buzzword part or just the marketing side of things? You know, the, 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 the full marketing versus the legit marketing. And just talk to me a little bit about that side of it. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. ESG is the hot topic right now. Right. Um, two, three years ago, it was blockchain and crypto, you know what I mean? And everybody wanted like, even in oil and gas people, you know, we do, we deal with contracts as well, hyperledger based contracts. And, you know, anyway, so you nailed it. ESG is where everyone's looking right now. And it's, it's pushed down from, um, politics, right? So it's, it's economic, it's socioeconomic and politic, politically driven in our countries that right now that's the hot topic, ban fracking, ban pipelines, ban this, ban that oil companies, bad oil companies. know they still have to make money. Everyone knows we still have to produce oil and gas, uh, whether they want to admit it or not for another 50 years in a, in a really large capacity. 
but there's such a massive amount of pressure, especially from the way our culture operates now, that if you get some bad press, it can really proliferate fast and affect your stock price, can affect your company, can affect how people view your company. So they really just have to put a push on ESG. And so everyone, like I said, free market caters to what the operators need and service companies need. And they, they want to adopt new technology. Number one, they got a business to run. That's what everyone, like, let's, let's, let's be honest and adults about what we're talking about. We're capitalists. These are businesses. We're here to run businesses, provide return for shareholder, and do it in the most sustainable way we can, right? Most of us. Now, ESG, that, that's just a way to throw, like, it's, it's almost something you have to put on there now. Because your shareholders expect from a PR perspective that you are doing whatever you're doing to become more efficient, make more money, but you're doing it in a more sustainable fashion, which is great. And we all want to do it. But what that does is it just drives everybody to attach an ESG tag onto the back of their company, regardless of what it is, which then, again, like you said, it's just that same old cycle. It makes it hard for them to really to understand who is going to actually help me improve my ESG and who is just making putting a, a green logo on their website. We kind of laugh because, you know, we've been covering ESG for 10 years. It was um, something, it was called something else before, and then there was another one around, and I can't. I, the the acronyms escape me because there's every industry's got so many acronyms. And then when I go to the vending machine, I'm fried because A A B B. That's where I want to get the chips, right? And so it's just you know my the acronyms. I'm just kind of the alphabet people have just done it to me. But um, they now I totally lost my train of thought. I apologize on that. Uh, no. Um, that's why that's why we started actually uh, putting putting out ESG actual things because we've been covering it for so long and because uh, we, we were fortunate enough to follow the Meridian Energy Group and the Davis Refinery being built out in Belfield and right. they have been I have never seen a company held to the uh, their feet to the fire like the Meridian Energy Group honest to god I've never in my life and I've been covering com- uh, you know companies for 30 years in in the media and yeah. we we had them on every week and the, the the litigation involved and the bush league politics from both sides and just all the different things that that went into what they had to basically prove that they weren't lying over and over and over again. That's how I always looked at it. Like, so we, we just started, you know, we figured this out a while ago. So we, we actually started putting out ESG things. So while everyone else is saying buzzword, 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 we're saying another example, another example. We're actually starting our public um, meetings now with the industrial forest uh, in September. We've got two scheduled uh-huh. in North Dakota, one in Texas. Uh, in October. So it's just, it's one of these things where it's like technology. When it, when all the buzzwords started coming, those people that actually had the plan in place and were moving ahead were, were yeah. the ones that were doing it. Um, and yeah. that's how you got, obviously, the customers that you got. So yeah. uh, let's let's kind of divert a little bit to, to reality here away from the buzzwords. And, yeah. you know, you, you guys are actually administering and doing things that are ESG. Talk to me a little bit how companies can either, you know, put the paragraph in their ESG report at the end of the year or how, you know, they can start thinking along the lines of, okay, these services that are being offered, that's exactly how we got to integrate them into our 2022, you know, plan, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with what we do, I think, 
we get asked a lot of questions. Our, our platform is broad. Um, and so when we get asked to define it, it's, it is that the, the fracking and completions industry has never stepped back and taken a look at a pad from a holistic perspective, the whole pad. And that's just been because the service companies that are on it are so big. They run their own systems. They're all like, if there's six companies, there's six control systems, there's six different timestamps, six different formats, six different everything. And that's just the way it's been. And people just accepted that that is so complicated that it's just going to have to stay that way and we'll manage it the best we can, right? And so then they look, when that when that happens and that was the generally accepted consensus, then when you're trying to look at ESG and reduce greenhouse gases and do all that stuff, then you have to get away from looking at the pad holistically and just go to each service and say, what can we do individually, right? Because we can't look at the pad holistically in any real sense. We kind of brushed that aside and said, this is the problem. We're not figuring out a way to look at the pad holistically. We're not looking, we're not... It's, it, there is a definitely a way to connect this pad with a central control system, have everything come through it, it's plug and play, and then have visibility to all your frac coil wireline pump down, have all the services sharing data, replace all the people that are interacting on that pad with radios and sig hand signals and handshakes with instance-based automation from a central hub. So a computer in the middle sending signals that knows the plan, saying frac stage one, you go, and it sends a signal to their control system. When they're done, their control system notifies us. We notified the next company's control system. Now it's your turn and do that a thousand times over to complete a pad that turns that pad into a fully autonomous pad because what is needed for full autonomy on pads, 85% of that is generally out there right now because each service company, frac coil, wireline, they all have their own control systems. They're just not connected. And there's no brain that knows the process or the order in which they have to take their turn. That's us. Right. And so when you implement that, you change the whole script. Now all of a sudden we do have visibility, control, and standardized plug and play automation for every pad. So what that means is we dramatically increase the efficiency of that pad. We dramatically reduce the days on pad, the time to do it, because we don't have any people making mistakes or waiting on each other or any of that. It's just computer driven. Frack stage one, go. Wellhead, you go. You're done. Frack stage two, go. Wellhead, two, go. Go, 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 go. And the result is that I can give you a real life example with Hibernia. They had a four pad program. We took 16 days <clears throat> off a four pad program. And so that is massively impactful. If you think of the energy used, the diesel used, the, uh, uh, the amount of resources that were on that pad every day, chugging away, however many pump trucks are out there, how much diesel's being used, how many, how much resources are out there, human resources, trucks going back and forth, all that stuff. You reduced 16 days of that on a four pad program right away. And so you can quantify that in, in just by tracking the amount of difference uh, in what your, that, that four pad program was compared to your last four pad program. And you get an immediate audited reduction in ES in greenhouse gases and all, and uh, all the rest of it that you can show and audit to anybody that's asking. And so that is a massive impact to this, to this industry. What I wrote down Rather interesting because I'm looking at it from more of the existential energy standpoint, you know, the 5,000 foot view of the 5,000 foot view. And we're looking at, you know, what I wrote down in my notes was well pads communicating and sharing their stories. And that's really what we're talking about here is that these well pads, what you're allowing to happen is the well pads to communicate and share their stories with each other. And because it's computerized, it's all real instant time. Is that that am I writing my notes down correctly? 
Yeah, so it's, it's uh, yes, but I don't think it's between the pads communicating. Okay. It's actually on pad. Yes, is yes. that there's all, this little small city of different companies, right? Yeah. And so to, right now they don't have a lot of communication, believe it or not. Very limited and definitely no data sharing. Um, and, uh, that's not a 100% literal statement, but 98%. They don't share much data in real time for use. And so we're changing that to say, hey, guys, we shouldn't have a bunch of different companies with a bunch of different formats, with a bunch of different ways they do things. You can maintain how you do things. You can maintain your control system. You can maintain your formatting, everything. But here's the way we track the pad. And here's where you plug in that makes it standardized. So when you come up to a, a pad that's a smart pad versus an old style, you're not just going to plug into the central control system. Boom, lights go on. You can see everyone else's, whatever data that the operator and you guys agree that they want to share, we can control that. We start sharing and then we start doing instance-based automation. We in turn help the service companies. We're a partner with them so that they can provide a vastly better service to their clients, which are the operators. We're all in it together to make a better operation for the operators and uh, move them away from having to be disjointed with the rest of the service companies out there into something that's more collaborative, standardized, faster, more economical, and then they can get into uh, how they benefit from that is they start talking to the operator saying, hey, if we're going to take this many days off a pad, if we're really changing the script and moving to full autonomy, we need to renegotiate the contracts so that we get paid uh, for the improved performance now that we can track it very accurately. And then everybody starts to get to a win-win. You do quite a few interviews, don't you? I, oh, that's all I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I do the, the sales for a lot of our high level sales with the big oil companies and the boardrooms and the service companies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and, and you're the CEO, yeah. right? You're the CEO. Yeah. And, and, and you came up from sales. No wonder. Okay. So you've got, yeah, you've got quite the gift of uh, the gab. That's for sure. And well, and, and to, you know, because, you know, we folks, we don't rehearse these, uh, you know, this is the first time, you know, that we've ever, that we've ever talked, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, Brett Jell and I, we're trying to, you know, f- figure out some of the stuff as we go. And I'm, I'm writing my notes down here because at the end of the day, this is, you know, journalistic. And so uh, you're speaking faster than I can write my notes. That's why I'm trying to say, boy, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a pro. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, okay. So what, what, what do you have on the offset well then? Because I know I heard that too. So I, I get it. So the, the, the great analogy of is that basically... What happened in the energy industry, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but what I basically heard was essentially the energy industry is being built with the, with the technology from the bottom up because the supply chain is so diverse and it's so, you know, it's so dynamic that that is the correct way that it had to work. And so you're the next level of we're essentially making the well into a logistical city. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So what's the offsite well stuff then? Because I had that in my notes too with the monitoring, because that's where I got mixed up with the wells communicating. Okay. So the way you think of this is that, um, again, just to touch on this again, the way it's been thought of in the industry is that we have a pad, but we have all these service companies that are going to go out there. So we're going to look at each service company individually and try to optimize one each individually. That, that is gone with us. That pad needs to be looked at in its entirety because they're all related. We don't have six individual timelines. We have one timeline of that pad. If you take six individual pieces of a timeline and try to put them together from six different sources, we all know how that's going to end up, right? Wrong. It's wrong. All of it's wrong. And you can do your best and you can clean it and it's extremely arduous, but you can't add automation. You're going to hit a glass ceiling. A lot of your data is wrong. It's hard to optimize. So we get rid of that model. 
Cobor comes in, central control system, standardize the collection, one timestamp for the entire pad. And all of those service companies are just different. We look at it like different, from a digital perspective, different digital assets. It doesn't really matter what they are. They just get plugged in, formatted, and associated to a correct timeline. So that, that then extends beyond that pad as well. Now that you've accomplished that new model, it extends infinitely. So you, now you want to have all of your offset wells, their individual digital data sets that typically would take a lot of horsepower from humans to go look at it if you had a communication event, because you have a separate data set over here, you have one over there. I think we communicated, I got to go look through a ton of data, spend four days finding that communication on the offset well. Then I got to go back to my frac data and try to connect it to figure out how that happened. With ours, we have that central timeline on that pad. We just connect those offset wells in real time. If we see a pressure spike in communication on an offset well, it automatically flags on the master pad what we were doing that time, that pressure from that frac on that well, and it associates it with the offset well. So it's all about just taking and that, you know, we, we can go out to commodities, sand and water, sand from the mines. We should be tracking and managing trucks right from the mine with automated responses from that pad. We can do that now because we're going to connect it to that single timeline. So it just proliferates. It's all about taking as much digital, as many digital inputs that are related to that pad as we can and building a model to start with that allows us to connect them once and not have people have to manage and move data. It's all automated. So that's the idea behind the offset wells. So here's the thing that kind of surprised me about the oil and gas industry when I got into this in 2011 was that they were a little bit behind on this type of technology. And what I mean by that is, is I had been covering drones and UAS and UAVs and, oh, there was even a couple other acronyms they tried back in the late 2000s as well that didn't pick up. But uh, be, because of the agriculture in industry, because the ag agriculture industry was an early adapter of that. And I don't know if that's just that was through the uh, uh, trades with Israel, but they had done a lot with Israel. So back in 2006, 2007, we were doing stories on Israel had uh, drones the size of honeybees, you know, and so now they're, of course, yeah. na nano size. So when when I look at the way and I would do, you know, uh, quarterly drone updates with the um, North Dakota Ag Director, Doug Goring, to, to the point people thought we were conspiracy radio for a while, talking about drones in the sky, you know? And, but what, yeah, we were, yeah. what, we're, and, and what we were trying to explain to people is just basically this, is that you're going to have a couple, <clears throat> a couple actions happening here, is that you've got sensors in the ground or sensors somewhere that basically allow the drones to fly overhead. And those drones are going to be able to see every single plant that's in the row of sunflowers, in the row of potatoes, and et cetera. And if there's a, you know, if there's a potato blight, if there's a little disease, well, then that's going to signify either another drone or maybe, a, maybe it's a four-wheeler type drone that comes over and does a little perfume mist of uh, pesticide or some sort of whatever to take care of that problem. And it's going to vastly reduce the dependency for farming on on uh, pesticides and chemicals and, and et cetera. And then right. at the same time, it's going to increase the crops and the bumpers. And, and then you're going to also reduce a lot of the actual uh, diesel that's being done through tractors and et cetera. So we've been doing, you know, this type of impact, you know, like I said, the 5,000 foot view with a 5,000 foot view type stuff for over 10, 15 years. And so when I'm seeing this kind of coming in the oil and gas industry, 
it's it's kind of different to watch because, like I said, the supply chain is is so diverse and direct. Now, the reason I bring that up is I'm what I'm going to ask you is probably a rerun of what you've already said, but I'm going to ask you to do it in like a kind of a concise. Uh, easy sure. version for people, and that's carbon management, because that's the next big buzzword. So when ESG is done, carbon management's the next big buzzword, if it's not already taking over. Um, yeah. what, what do you tell, you know, talk to me like I'm a, like I'm a customer, you know, a potential customer. What, what do you tell somebody when you got that two, three, you know, minute elevator pitch when it comes to carbon management? Good question. So I've never heard that before, so this is good. I like getting put on my toes or my heels. So I would say that if you're talking about carbon management, the first thing I hear is that they're going to, my mind goes right to carbon capture or scrubbing or cleaning or all that stuff. That, Cause that's what we hear a lot more of. There's a lot more people focused on taking carbon out of the air. I'd say right now with what we're doing, we can focus on reducing what we put into the air first by making your operation automated and more efficient and using less diesel to start with. So we can make more money. We can make the operation faster. We can make it cheaper. We can reduce infrastructure and we can reduce the, amount of hydrocarbons you burn to accomplish that same job dramatically. And that's all done through centralized automation. And that's where we live. So we're the first step in doing that before you look at anything else for carbon capture. Let's figure out how to put less in the air first. Let's get that down to a bare minimum. And then we can start looking at how to move even further than that after the fact. Well, that was one of the things I learned through kind of my my weekly updates with the Meridian Energy Group was a lot of the digitization of a lot of the different parts, especially even in engineering, showed a lot of the impacts being done. In the refinery, it was done a lot through the angles of pipes, just something as basic as figuring out new ways that pipes are going to be angled and able to make the flow better. And it showed all the way you know, to the end result of how that's, like you mentioned, the diesel consumption and you know, just all these different route to the you know, cradle to grave, if you will, of, of the sources of energy. So um, I, I just wanted to point out to people that th- there, is a, there is an advantage to the digitization of things. Um, how, how do you guide people through that? Because that's another one of those things where where do you stop? I mean, where, where, where do you stop? Because, man, that's, a, that's Willy Wonka and Charlie Factory in, in the candy store, man. Yeah, well, I, and that's a great point. I'd say this, for oil companies, big service companies for the most part, they, that, they're not software companies. They shouldn't be doing it at, at scale. They shouldn't be trying to develop enterprise software. Now they've been forced to because they don't have very many options for a platform in completion, specifically where we are. They've been forced to try to do their own data collection from the field, forced to build platforms to look at it, forced to because there's no real good options. But people have only ever thought about doing that holistically for three or four years, five years maybe since the downturn. Before that, it was a frackathon. Right. And they didn't care. Um, now everybody cares. So I would say right now, the last three years, some oil companies have been going through that where they're trying to spin up their own software teams. It's not what they do. Uh, they don't have they're, they're nowhere near the resources that we're putting into it. We're working as a collective. Right. We're building a standardized platform where a rising tide lifts all ships. We're working with 25 different operators and 50 different service companies. All of the ideas are coming in everything's getting standardized. It's going to get cheaper. It's going to get more effective. It's like the Amazon model. You're building a platform. Everything's going to get cheaper to sell. You can do more volume. You can do more efficient. There's going to be less people to run it. That's our business. And so what I would say as far as the digitization and look at that mountain to climb is there is stuff that they got to do internally, obviously, uh, to digitize some stuff. But when you're talking about platforms to 
that, that extend out to actual hardware and automation in the field that are physically connecting service companies and providing automation. And that's connected to your digital platform that is moving your data internally, populating your databases, and then going to contracts. Like that holistic perspective, it's here, right? We're here. This exists. Operators before didn't have a choice. Now there's, in my opinion, if you're an operator that's still putting heavy development into software and platforms like this, what you're doing is you're developing on an island that the industry is moving to standardization because it's cheaper, better, more economical, rising tide of sell ships. You get way more features. That's all happening. We're pouring tens of millions into only that. That's all we do. And you're over here still developing stuff that's one off with three or four developers that's not going to connect, not going to communicate and have a different format. You're going to put yourself on an island and end up with a bunch of technical debt. And so that's my big push right now of education is this is the route. Let's get together. Let's standardize. Let's automate. And don't worry about this huge, you know, because you, like you said, if you start digitizing and you're an oil company, how many, how many different paths are you going to chase? with all these service companies, all these different, like you have to redevelop the same frack software for 10 different service companies. Cause they're all different. They connect differently. They have different formats. We figured all that out. We just show up, put it down, plug it in and you go to work doing what you do best. Well, I definitely see where there's even probably a couple phases left because this is, this is going to be done in phases. A lot of this uh, digitization, because especially in the oil and gas industry, the supply chain is so endless and just all the different ways. And I'll give you an example, folks. Um, seven, eight years ago, you can take a look uh, at the crudelife.com, go back and listen to the interview with Carrie Frank. She's with Comply 360, uh, 365. And um, what that asked, what she talked about in the interview was the digitization of the airline industry about. First of all, she was a female, had to fight that. And then secondly, um, just trying to get people to understand that an iPad, you know, wasn't some Chinese CIA spying device. You know, there was a little bit of a learning curve for phones and yeah. cell. Oh, man. I mean, back in the day when people would yell at you if you send them a text, like to stop, you know, destroying my minute plan and all these different things. I mean, so, oh, it was a, it was a different world. But uh, what, what she was able to basically do was get the airlines or a lot of the majors to bring their black box, their 50-pound black box that was full of uh, rules and regulations and procedures printed on paper to, to an iPad. And, of course, the, you know that, that took years, by the way, folks. That took years because there's a lot of people that want documentation and there's a lot of people that worry about power failures and connectivities and all these different things. So... There were several years of educating the, you know, the best and the brightest of the industries. So, but, but at the end of the day, what they found out was not only did it make the cost savings of paper cheaper and you know, all, all the stuff that you thought out of the gate, but what they found out was that they saved gas because every flight at 50 pounds taken off at the end of the year actually made a percentage point difference to where it made that much of an impact. So... That's what happens, folks. And it takes a while to flush some of this stuff out because there's so many different ways that things are being saved and so many different ways that uh, money's being redirected and recycled and all kinds of different things. So did that did that make sense to you, what I just said? 100%. Yeah. In, in the context of what we're talking about in completions, that, um, that story is that um, most of the narrative in, in oil and gas drilling has changed because it was it's further ahead than completions. They already know this. 
um, but in completions is that uh, the, the mentality has been, I'm going to develop my own software or hardware or, or widget, and I'm going to keep all of my information to myself. And I'm going to use that for a competitive advantage. And that was for the last 10 years, right? I got a widget because I know how to do this. Problem is when you have major downturns, like we do huge pricing pressure and the industry has to change, which now it's changing. Even the oil prices are coming back up. People are not going to let off the gas in terms of automation and, and change. Um, what happens when all this, when, when all that goes down is that the mentality, there has to be a big shift. And when a platform like us or, or other companies come in that are providing something like this, the shift is that when you, as service companies, when you are trying to maintain your own individualized widgets to sell to operators, you're creating a larger problem for them. What that means is, is that they may get a widget with service company A that is quite cool or, or, or a nice to have. But if everyone's trying to sell that nice to have widget and it's proprietary, none of them are putting any effort into connecting together to standardize, which would mean to an oil company, if they would just stop with the mentality of, I'm going to keep everything to myself for this widget and that's going to be my competitive advantage. And we got together and said, let's all start sharing data, get on a common platform and standardize. You will flat out change how fracking is done from manual to fully automated. It'll be a 30, 40% overall distance, but difference by the time this all plays out. That is how oil companies will see massive differences. Half the industry realizes that right now and they're running towards it because the first people to get on that standardized platform are now gonna have a new competitive advantage. They can plug and play. They can provide automated everything. They, they're gonna start running away with a new business model on these pads that makes the old way of doing it obsolete. It just can't compete from a price perspective. And so we see that shedding of technology, of, of old mentality that takes time that, you, that you're describing, right? It takes a little bit of time, but we're, it, it's an exponential thing. And now we're really seeing it roll. So it's quite exciting to watch actually. Well, what have we left out? What do you want people to know about, you know, what is you guys are doing? How is it you're changing the industry, you know, in case we want to repeat anything, anything we left out? I like to give uh, guests kind of the final word, the final thought. So a question isn't really framed by me, but at the same time, you know, maybe maybe there's something we didn't even touch on. So, but at the same time, you know, what, what, what do you want people to walk away from this with? Uh, I, no, it's been a great chat. Um, I, I, I love this. Uh, I think... If anything, from our side, from Colbert, um, everyone that knows us knows us as the the automation and, and central master control system, SmartPad. Um, and they look at it and say, yeah, that's built for operators to get control of their pads. But 50% of what we do is working with service companies, all the biggest service companies, the FRAC, the Wireline, the Pumpdown, we're working with a ton of them. We literally develop hand in hand to get connected and help them move their needle along to become fully automated. So a lot of Colbor's business is we are full partnership with all the service companies, completely agnostic. And so I think that's, if I can throw one thing out, that's what it is. We work with service companies as much as we do operators. How do people get in touch with you guys if they want to give you some business? Uh, we got a website. we got some YouTube channels getting started. We're going to go really heavy on YouTube and social and everything like that. So we're going to make it easy for people to find us. But uh, websites and Google us, uh, there's lots so it's all right there, Tom. Well, it's time to put the booze down. Find us some solid ground. Clean this damn life up. And turn it all around. We got lost in the smoke and drink. We can feel each other starting to sing. It was time.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z dot com. The Crude Life with host Jason Speed. My name is Jason Speed, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Curtis Shuck, the chairman of the board of the Well Done Foundation. I mean, there's a role, certainly, for the Well Done Foundation to continue to play in a lot of different areas. Again, Jason, we're, to date, we haven't accepted a single dollar of taxpayer money, and we're super proud of that. We think that there's a market-based solution to... Uh, the work that we're doing and but there's no silver bullet you know there's lots of I mean there's more there's more wells than there is money and certainly more wells than there is people right now to to get the work done and so one of the things that we're pushing uh, very hard for is to have a measurement component to all of this work that's planned because anything that's worth doing is worth measuring and to just go out and uh, plug wells, while we know it's going to provide some level of benefit, you really need to be able to express uh, quantitatively what that benefit is. And so you know, we're working uh, very hard with our partners to develop this measurement technology. And this isn't, you know, we're not talking about, you know, satellite uh, technology or drone technology. This is individual at the wellhead technology and and a methodology to really describe what's happening there and what the good work that we're doing provides in terms of benefit. To listen to the full-length interview with Curtis Shuck, the chairman of the board of the Well Done Foundation, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking each and every one of you to remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker 
to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com.
a sponsor email studio at the mike and the fine folks at my pillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set this set is made with usa cotton making it extremely absorbent yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel the set comes with a two bath two hand towel two washcloth typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Lister Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials.